faithwire.com. Hello and welcome to 4 and 3, a podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them all from a Christian perspective. Today's Friday, May 7th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. Coming up on the podcast today, India is reeling from COVID, but Christians are stepping in to help. We'll tell you how. Plus, a Texas uh, in Texas, pastors are defending what they called the God-given right to abortion. And April jobs report is a huge disappointment, according to the experts, grossly underperforming forecasts, and a leading House Democrat uses inclusive term, birthing people, to refer to women. <laughs> so we'll have those stories and more coming up on today's podcast. Trey Gones Phillips, FaithWire.com. Trey, what's going on? Well, you know, I just happy Friday to to the two of us non-birthing people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Oh so, my and any other and the other non-birthing or birthing people. Happy Friday to you too. Yes, yes. We will. Uh, you know, the PC is just out of control at this point. It's just it's just madness. But uh, we will have that clip for you because oh, it's just the latest, the latest on a long string of madness, right? <laughs> 2021 we didn't think we didn't think it was going to be worse but you know but birthing people i mean I, I suppose in some ways it's better like there are some areas and states yes. that are starting to open up and getting back to normal true uh, but then there's there are stories like these that just that just kind of bring us just, crashing down just back when into I, like, yeah oh. just when i think it's going great birthing people <laughs> hits the airwaves and then it just goes right back to ground zero yeah. so <laughs> All right, let's head in. Story number one, and uh, here's a here's one that uh, I think mainstream media isn't really going to typically cover, so we will. And uh, India hit another grim milestone yesterday, breaching the 400,000 mark for the second time. The record daily infections continue to soar uh, as demand for medical oxygen jumps sevenfold. Because of the demand for oxygen, there is no doubt a black market, and so the price has gone up like three to four hundred times. But the people are so desperate to get oxygen, said Victor Emanuel, who's with CBN's Operation Blessing International. Emanuel's humanitarian group is delivering 150 critical cylinders of medical oxygen to the Philadelphia Ambala Mission Hospital uh, in India. Now, with the help of Operation Blessing providing the oxygen to the hospital, we can treat close to 950 people over the span of two weeks. So that's a great blessing to the patients that are coming into the hospital, Emanuel told CBN News. He also said when the when the patients come in uh, with low oxygen saturation, it is really a problem. We have to refuse the patients from getting into the hospital. That was Dr. Sunil Sadiq, who's a director at uh, Philadelphia Ambala Mission Hospital. And Dr. Sadiq said that the virus is devastating many Indian lives, including many Christians. More than 230,000 have died there from COVID so far, and experts warn deaths may double in the coming weeks. Uh, he said the hospital is more than just a place to treat patients. He said when the patient comes, we are every day. We are praying three to four times a day for the patient. When they come, they feel that there is divine power working at our hospital. Hmm. India's health experts are welcoming President Biden's move to waive COVID-19 vaccine patents. That's allowing countries like India to boost their supply. So obviously, it's not a, a political left-right issue here, uh, Trey. I mean, at least not yet. I'm, I'm sure somewhere, somehow, people are trying <laughs> just to do that. But um, India is seeking, is seeing that massive spike, and we need to be praying first and foremost, but also helping folks in need when we can. And yeah. you know, if you feel le- led to help, 
you can go over to Operation Blessing. That's CBN's outreach arm, and they do amazing work all over the globe. It really is cool stuff that, to see them working um, and just hitting the ground just where there's need. Um, they go yeah. and do that in many, many places, and um, they bring the gospel message along uh, with that help. So you can you can do that at uh, operationblessing.org. It's ob.org. That's for Operation Blessing. It really is crazy to see uh, to, like the juxtaposition against the United States and so much of the West, and then to see what's going on uh, in India right now. Yeah, uh, where it's just it just seems like the the pandemic is just completely like so far out of control, like, you know, as if none of what we've got has even been developed at this yeah. point, which I realize that India is, is different than the United States as far as demographically, how many people are there, uh, you know, what their healthcare system is like, all of that. I know there's there's a lot of differences there, but it still is just crazy to see. And I know as, uh, as Christians, like you said, we just have an obligation, I think, to pray uh, for the people there, for the medical experts there, for you know politicians there, you know everybody who's who's has a a, a part to play and yeah. and getting it under control there, just be praying for wisdom for them as they're as they're working and just pray that countries like us who are able uh, to help and then uh, of course humanitarian uh, faith based organizations like Operation Blessing that are able to come in. Uh, you know, just pray that that they uh, receive favor from the country and are able to. Uh, to help them uh, because they they definitely need it right now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, India is one of those places too where people are used to living in close quarters. Like they, yeah, they, you know, I, there's two t- kinds of. Some people don't like that personal hula hoop, and yeah. uh, I feel like in India they don't seem to have that. You see those pictures of the trains, <laughs> the crowded trains. They'll just pile right in, just right shoulder to shoulder. They don't really care about the space at all. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't know. I don't know if that's changed in their day to day life over there for COVID. But if it hasn't or not much, then you would expect it to spread a, a bunch. But, yeah, we, we you know, cr- crazy over there. that The numbers are going uh, so out of control. But, you know, like I said, we just keep praying and, and helping where we can. Yeah, it is interesting the, how COVID has changed people's personal bubbles, right? Like <laughs> my uh, my mom is a, a professor at a, a, a Christian college, and they have a lot of foreign exchange students. And there's one student who's from Europe. He might have been from France. I can't remember where. And he was saying, well, one of the other girls got really uncomfortable because I, she said I was standing too close. <laughs> and my mom said, well, show me how you're standing. Like, she, because this kid was just like flabbergasted. Like, I don't understand what the issue was. So then he came and demonstrated that I was like standing like almost nose to nose with my mom. <laughs> and my mom like started laughing. She said, I think I know why she was uncomfortable. <laughs> she, she said like, in the United States, our personal bubbles are, are just a little bit <laughs> bigger. <laughs> so, but anyway, COVID has certainly upended all yes, of that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, all right, story number two. Uh, so a group of leftist pastors and ministers in Texas uh, are condemning the pro-life heartbeat bills, uh, which are you know, happening in states around the country, but this one uh, obviously in the, the Lone Star State, uh, and they are vowing to never stop defending the God-given right to choose, uh, referring to abortion, of course. So the Reverend Erica Forbes, uh, who if you do a little digging, she's just an ordained interfaith leader which I don't know exactly what that means, but yeah. she's in Texas. So she's <laughs> she's not explicitly Christian. She's just, like I said, an interfaith minister. Yeah. Uh, she said that the group of pastors will, quote, never give up 
our individual consciences and religious freedom or our God-given right to choose. Uh, the group came together this week to voice their opposition to uh, Senate Bill 8, which is known as the Texas Heartbeat Act, uh, allowing uh, or outlawing abortion in Texas once a fetal heartbeat is detected, which is usually around six weeks uh, gestation, and is often before women uh, or some women even know they're pregnant. Uh, so the Reverend Jim Rigby of St. Andrews Presbyterian Church, another one of the ministers who was at this event, uh, he said, the same people who are uh, doing this are blocking contraception. They're blocking a lot of the neonatal care being given as part of public service. It's like you can't slam doors in people's faces without opening other doors. And then another minister, uh, Pastor Andres Coetzee, said, The relationship between a parishioner and a pastor is one of sacred trust and cannot be legislated, as God alone is Lord of the conscience and not Caesar. Uh, are obviously arguing there that uh, the government shouldn't step in and say you can't have an abortion. <laughs> he said that that should be a you know a sacred decision, yes. uh, and the woman should should choose that for herself, and the government should not step in. So what's the left saying? Well, Democrats have opposed heartbeat bills in states uh, all around the country. Uh, and the argument from a lot of progressives in ministry has been uh, that this is interfering with a woman's personal health decisions, like I said. Uh, they've also argued the pro-life cause hasn't done enough to help women after their babies are born. Uh, this week, uh, AOC actually argued that Planned Parenthood, uh, the nation's largest abortion provider, uh, doesn't get enough attention for all the lives they save. Uh, she said that she is a, quote, uh, Planned Parenthood baby. Uh, who is alive today because the company provided prenatal care to her mom. Uh, so what's the right saying? Well, wow. pro-life activist, yeah. Pro-life activist Lila Rose pushed back against AOC directly. Uh, she referenced uh, 2018 data, which showed that Planned Parenthood only provided a little more than 9,000 prenatal services in that year. Uh, that same year, Planned Parenthood recorded more than four, uh, 345,000 abortions. Uh, so the numbers are a little bit, you know, skewed in one direction. Just a dad. Yeah. So uh, Christians also, you know, have rejected abortion, referring many times to the to the the instances throughout Scripture when God uh, specifically refers to life in the womb. I know mm -hmm. you talked about that, yeah. Dan, the other day. Uh, so why does it matter? Well, as believers, we know life begins at conception. We know life is precious, and each person at every stage of life, from conception to natural death. Uh, is important. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, as Scripture says, and we're all made in God's image uh, with His likeness. So, I, you know, I think we can debate the specifics of, of what it means to be pro-life and how we can best care for people with a pro-life ethic, uh, but I, I don't think we can say that abortion is a God-given right. I'm pretty no. certain that one is uh, is settled <laughs> and is not is not the case. Yeah, and, and look, that's about as close to anything remotely close to God that they even got by saying God given. Yeah. Um, and they were, I, I think you're right, in incorrect on, on that front. And, you know, I, I, I think when you see names like this up here, these, this, this person calling themselves a reverend, the, the other, the other reverend, um, you know, look at their beliefs and, and let's, let's, let's go to base level here. Um, because, you know, when they when they say God, what do you mean by God? How would you define God? Because I think you're mm -hmm. going to find a lot of these people are, I mean, they're certainly not traditional Christians. And, um, yeah. you know, the interfaith leader thing, as you mentioned, if you look at these uh, belief pages that these uh, folks have, it doesn't really resemble much of a Christian pastor. There's not, a, there's no reverence for scripture. There's no, um, 
you know, there's no basis for the uh, for the views that they're having. It's just their preference, and usually it seems to align more with just a political preference than any biblical justification whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and certainly not basing that on the Bible as the authoritative word of the living God. Um, you you won't get them to say that. And so I, to me, that's the best place to start when when people like this start making these arguments. Like, let's find out why you're making this argument. What are yeah. you basing this on? You know, you can't just say, oh, our God-given right to choose. Or you're just yeah. slapping a God sticker on something that's a leftist political talking point. Let me hear an actual justification for that. And um, I know some people try to make it, but I think what you'll find is that most of those people don't hold a reverence for the Scripture as the inerrant, authoritative Word of God. Yeah, and I, you know, I think people can disagree on how we address these issues yeah. for sure. Like, you know, you can have somebody who's more uh, more progressive or someone who's more conservative, who, and and both be Christians, like genuine Christians. Yeah. But you have to have a theological framework for how you arrived at your position. Uh, right. So I, I'm more interested in and okay and willing to engage in a dialogue uh, with somebody who may have a different opinion than me on issues like abortion or even just uh, social justice, whatever. Uh, but I want to know that they've got a theological framework that yeah. helped them arrive to that position. Yeah. Like if you're just like you said, going to slap a, a God sticker on something and then but, but there's no like. Okay, I mean, to say that you're pro-abortion and then to say that abortion is a God-given right, that's a really, 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 really big claim to make. Yeah. Uh, so give me some theological framework uh, to to back that up. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that there's going to be a Bible verse that's going to perfectly summarize what either position says. Right. But there should be a, there should be scriptural principles. If that's a position that you're going to hold, there should be, like I said, a th- theological framework and some scriptural principles to to back it up. Yeah, and I would just remind, I'm going to remind people out there that, uh, you know, the Bible talks about teachers being held to a higher standard at judgment. And mm-hmm. um, I'm telling you, you know, like you said, have that, you better have that justification and it better be more than we've got a right to choose. Yeah. And that's a slogan and that's all you got um, because you're, you're portraying yourself as a Christian minister and pushing stuff like this. Like you said, it's a big claim. And, um, you know, I, I think you got You better be careful there as a, as a teacher there, you know, be, be careful with how you handle uh, the word of God and how you um, represent God as an ambassador. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's uh, let's head into story number three, that, which is about the numbers. The U.S. created just <laughs> two hundred and sixty six thousand new jobs in April uh, on a seasonally adjusted basis, even as the economy was gaining strength suggesting companies might be struggling to fill open jobs, even with millions of people still unemployed. Uh, So the increase in new jobs definitely fell short of what economists and forecasters were predicting. Uh, They had said up to 1 million new jobs would would happen. I mean, we had 900,000 back in March. So the April jobs report was a huge disappointment, said senior chief economist Gus Foucher of PNC Financial Services. Uh, the unemployment uh, rate rose from uh, to 6.1 from 6%, uh, which honestly, I got to say, it's, you know, given the, the pandemic and these shutdowns that the government put on, it's a miracle that this thing is at 6% and not <laughs> yeah. skyrocketing. And remember, after in 2008, after that whole mess with the banks, it went w- over 10%. Um, so it was much higher than that. So it's not all bad news, however. Uh, some are saying that this uptick in unemployment is due to the fact that 
you know, there's just more people entering the workforce looking for jobs. Um, and it indicates that companies are indeed hiring again. So but we'll, we'll see uh, where it goes from here because, you know, that number definitely was far lower than they thought. Um, so what's the left saying? Well, Joe Biden in March, when we had that 900,000 jobs added, uh, kind of took a victory lap. And uh, he said at that time, he said it means the first uh, two months of our administration has seen more new jobs created than the first two months in any administration in history. Kind of overlooking the fact that the government shut down all the jobs and then yeah. <laughs> reopened. It's not not exactly like this is just some big, hey, you're creating this amazing economy. It's you're allowing people to go back to work again. Yeah. Um, so uh, he talked about opportunity is coming. And at long last, there's hope for so many families. And he said credit for this. He tried to you know, throw a little bit of credit to the people. Say, hey, the credit belongs to American people, hardworking men and women, yada, yada. But then here's uh, the, the point I wanted to get to. He said, but I think it's also a reflection of two things we're doing here. First, the new economic strategy we've launched, one focused on building from the bottom up and the middle out, and one that puts government on the side of the working people and that rewards work, not wealth. So trying to take credit for it, saying that this is their big system that they've put in place. And wow, it's already unleashing all these jobs. And so then a month later, you have a super disappointing report. So they haven't responded yet today uh, to the jobs report, I'm sure in their press briefing, we'll, we'll hear about that uh, today. So what what is the right saying? Well, uh, you got people like Tim Young, uh, who's a commenter there on um, Washington Times, um, saying that uh, that the number is terrible and that people would go back to work if they weren't getting paid so well by the government to sit on their <laughs> couches. Um, that's kind of a, a comment you're seeing a lot. And then th that Biden's trying to take credit for it, but then won't take credit for when it doesn't work. So why does it matter? Well, it matters because the government restrictions, as we said, cause a lot of these businesses to shutter and close. And we're still fighting with each other over wearing masks and capacity restrictions, despite hundreds of millions of vaccinations around the country. And so you know, people's livelihoods here on the line. And um, man, you're still people see, seeing people shame for masks. And and I, I just think they've done such a good job dividing us on this issue for their own political gain that, you know, it'd be nice to see yeah. if we could move, make a move towards, I don't know, coming together, you know. Um, but I saw a viral video just the other day, Trey. You know, there was some woman at a grocery store who was pregnant without a mask on checking out. And some guy comes up to her with the phone and is yelling at her. Yeah. trying to shame her and it's like when do we transition into this society where we shame and try to berate one another versus just letting others let live you know yeah it it does bother me because it's just there's no reason for it like i don't i don't really understand what people are gaining from it other than a little bit of notoriety i guess like yeah. you know but it's like people see other human beings as just like living breathing targets like it's just yeah. and it's an opportunity for me to uh to to step on them and to elevate my own name and i like I, i've seen it on the right and the left like it's just and i think some of it is just the a consequence of this past year where we've been isolated at home and we've just mm -hmm. been looking at our social media feeds and we've just been looking at uh at uh, cable news feeds that all of that is just is like at its core 
divisive. So I think we're, we've taken social media behavior and we're starting to implement social media behavior into real life. Like on Twitter, like somebody we disagree with is just an avatar. Uh, they're not, they're not a real person. We don't right. always, we don't see them as a real person right. sometimes. And I think now that's literally just what we're doing. Like we're walking into, into target or into Kroger or whatever, Walmart. And we look at another person and we just, that's just an avatar. Yeah. They're not a real person. Yep. Like if they're doing something that I disagree with, I can just go off on them. And, yeah. and then I can post the video on social media and I can get a bunch of retweets. And then look, I'm kind of, I'm kind of famous for a few hours. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's sad. It's sad in an unhealthy direction for the country where I, you know, I don't think we used to be in this mode where we were okay with shaming people, intimidating people, bullying people, get the vaccine, you know, socially distance, wear your mask. Like, you know, yeah, you know, I've, we've bought into this propaganda that if you don't do any of those things, now you're out there killing people. It's just, to me, it's like Twitter convo playing out in real life. And it's like, right. it's morphed into that where we used to be able to separate the two. Now it doesn't seem like we're so good at. It. I guess my uh, hope is is that as as people start to come together again and gather again, we, we might remember some of our some of the habits that are healthy. Like we remember, yeah. like oh, engaging with people and sitting across the table with people and respecting differences, spending time you know. with them. Yeah, like I think we've forgotten what it's like to just be with people, yeah. like to spend time with people. Uh, and hopefully, we'll get some of that back as people start to. You know, now that they're vaccinated or now that more people are vaccinated and they're comfortable going out again, hopefully, hopefully people will start gathering again and uh, and and relearn some of those basic communication skills. Dare to dream. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Story number four. Uh, So the supposedly uh, inclusive term birthing people uh, bubbled to the surface of our cultural lexicon this week. Uh, when Representative Cori Bush, a Democrat, used the phrase uh, while sharing the story of her pregnancy, uh, testifying about racial inequality in medical care. So here's uh, the end of that uh, testimony. I sit before you today as a single mom, as a nurse, as an activist, and as a congresswoman, and I am committed to doing the absolute most to protect Black mothers, to protect Black babies, to protect protect black birthing people and to save lives. Thank you. And I yield back. So that was uh, what she said. She said to protect black birthing people, mm. uh, presumably referring to, to black biological women. Whoa, that's so hateful <laughs> yeah. of you, Trey. <laughs> I know. So uh, what's the what's the left saying? Well, one of the largest pro-abortion uh, advocacy groups, NARAL, um, immediately jumped to defend Bush, uh, saying the term should be used because it's inclusive of the transgender community. Uh, the organization said, when we talk about birthing people, we're being inclusive. It's that simple. We use gender neutral language when talking about pregnancy because it's not just cisgender women, meaning biological women, uh, that can get pregnant and give birth. Reproductive freedom is for every body. So that's what, what, what some people on the left are saying. And what's the, what's the right saying? Uh, well, Tim Carney of the American Enterprise Institute argued uh, calling biological women the only ones among us who can give birth, uh, birthing people is reducing them to a function, making them not human. He added, that's what's at the heart of this whole gender ideology. Reduce us to atomized, autonomous individuals with a role without a role or connection. Uh, Life News, News tweeted back at Representative Bush and said, uh, they're called mothers, way to diminish them. Uh, and then Lila Rose said, uh, how incredibly insulting to call mothers birthing people. We are mothers, women, proudly. 
And even Rose McGowan, an actor and Me Too activist, tweeted, uh, I'm empathetic to your painful and unfairly traumatic experience, Cori Bush, but why are you smearing biological women to virtue signal to trans women? Why can't we rise together? Your language is creepy. You are gaslighting. What you are doing is dangerous. Mm. Uh, so definitely an interesting interesting comment there from McGowan. Uh, so why does it matter? Well, this this is certainly important because it's, as I've said several times, literally erasing the female experience. Uh, this will end uh, with the erasure of women from the conversation, quite literally. Uh, we're in this bizarre place when the most basic of science lessons is something that we can fight and argue about. When it's, it, it, it's just like, it is so obvious yeah. <laughs> that, that biological women are the only ones who can give birth uh, and it just it, it concerns me that, that this is something that we now uh, fight about yeah yeah and, and again I mean I think it's part of that bullying and intimidation people are not content to just have their own view on this they'd rather beat this into societal norm and uh, yeah you know if people don't stand up and they just kind of acquiesce to this stuff and Go, okay, that's great. You can have your view. You want to call them birthing people? Whatever. Go for it. But I'm not. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, this whole language is violence stuff that we've talked about, they're going to push that in there. But um, like you said, it's diminishing to women. Um, and, uh, you know, I think more and more people like Rose McGowan are, are uh, starting to, to starting to understand that those two things are not compatible. This feminist yeah. movement with this trans movement, it just doesn't make much sense. <laughs> Um, yeah. so I think we're going to see more and more of that. I hope because, you know, it is, look, people can have their views, but, um, it's that forcing it that I don't like. It, it's that, yeah. you know, making anything opposed to it bigoted, or you're being ha hateful with your language and you're being, uh, you know, words or violence, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Right. It's just, it's nonsense. Yeah, for sure. And I think we just need more, uh, more common sense people who are willing to kind of acknowledge that and engage in the conversation from the left, like right. Rose McGowan, uh, or like Bill Maher, like we've talked about several times, and Barry Weiss, a former New York Times writer. So it's the more people who start to do that and start to say, hey, I'm still with y'all on a lot of issues. Yeah. Uh, but on this cultural issue, we're really losing, we're losing the argument because we just, it, it's just not the science isn't there. Like, it's just not true. Uh, and it's not helpful. Like also with the CRT stuff, it's like, this is just not helpful. Uh, so I think the more people who are on the left who are willing to stand up to, to, to those issues and kind of draw a bridge between uh, them and more conservative people, I think that's how we're going to, how we're going to end up solving this problem. Good stuff. All right. That is all the time we have uh, for this episode and this week. Um, we will, uh, well, we'll not be back. I'm going on vacation in an RV. Pray for me, my family, in an <laughs> RV, trapped for a week, uh, having never driven one before. So I got to watch that movie this weekend before we leave, Trey, the RV movie. You do. You, you told yeah. me to do it. I haven't done it yet. I may live to regret that. <laughs> but uh, we will be, be back when we're back. God bless. Check out CBNnews.com and FaithWire.com. We'll see you soon.